This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. The community that are from somewhere else in a way that allows them to flourish and to succeed and to become members of our community that can contribute and that have joy, that have jobs, that their children can be educated, that's going to help our community if we're welcoming people and encouraging them to flourish and to grow. That's hospitality, giving, gifts of uh, serving, gifts of exhortation. And there are many other gifts. It's possible that you have even more than one. But what is yours? What do you think your gift is? What is God saying to you about what your gift might be? The prevalence of gifts. But what is the purpose of a gift? If everyone's been given one, and we're called to use it, why does God give these gifts? He says this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right, and this reflects this big theme in all of 1 Corinthians, this, this idea of the, the relational connection that the church in Corinth needs to have to be able to flourish in a world that is very different from the gospel of the kingdom, right? Remember, they're living in a world with a, with a huge temple. There's cult worship there. There's materialism. There's prostitution. They're, they're coming, the believers are coming out of this Greek culture that is really focused on the way of the world, and they're called to live into relationship with one another. And anytime someone comes out of the world and into Christ, they're going to be on a journey of maturity. And those who are farther along maturity in their maturity shouldn't be saying, well, what's the matter with you? How come you're not as far along as me? They should be saying, I remember what it was like to struggle with the things that you struggle with. Let me show you with my life and encouragement what it means to live in Christ. Man, it's hard because we know that we have this tendency to kind of be like, ah, look at this guy. Come on, you can't say that. But instead to say, let me come alongside you and encourage you. Let's meet and let's study the word together. Let's grow in Christ. So they're, they're going to struggle with unity as the church because everyone's on a different place in their journey. And that's just like our church. We're all on a different journey. Everyone's in a different place. Struggling with faith, experiencing challenges and hardship in life, wanting to love God and to serve Him, trying to understand what our spiritual gifts are, but we have baggage, we have a history, we have concern about the future, and we're all on a journey. And guess what? God lumps us all into a place. We get together in a building, and we've got to make decisions about what to do with money or what to do with resources. And so what does that do? It brings up conflict. It brings up challenges. And so we're called to be together Not to just get rid of our opinions or our viewpoints on things, but to love each other in the midst of those things. Why? Because we want to be built up as a community of faith that people would look at and say, wow, look at how they get along. Look at those folks. They really care for each other. Did you see what they were doing for that one who was ill? Did you see the kind of compassion that they have? Do you see how they love the city? That's the kind of group of people that I like to be part of because they love me. Gifts are to build up the common good so that the church is built up and encouraged to walk in faith and to be able to face the challenges of this life and this world, to know that people can know that they're part of God's family. And so then Paul shares this illustration of, okay, how does this actually work? Uh, he shares an illustration and he compares uh, God's family to a body. So if you look at verse 12, 
He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's using this metaphor that all the different parts of the body are important for the health of the person. Verse 15, he says, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So God puts the body together in the way that he thinks is wise and is good for that person, and for that body. Uh, Verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body, we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. What Paul is saying is that there's no part of the body that's insignificant. Every single part of the body of Christ is important. Now, obviously, there are situations with a real body, if someone is born without an arm, they can still function as a person. But it's better to have two arms than one arm, right? It's better to have two eyes than one eye. And so you can, mean a, you can live a meaningful life without that part of the body, but we also acknowledge that this is the way that we're supposed to be designed and can really function well. And so that means that each part of the body of Christ is needed for the body to be healthy. So you know what that means for you? You need to be using your spiritual gift. You've been given a gift by God, and in order for the body to function and to be healthy, you need to be using it. And you say, man, well, I don't, I don't know what my gift is. Well, how do you figure it out? You can take a test or you can start serving. You can look around and say, I want to be engaged in the life of the church and know that with confidence you can move forward in service because God has uniquely gifted you for your role and your role is vitally important. And if you're not using it, then the body will not flourish in the way that is supposed to. It, the church will not be as effective. It will not be as gracious. It will not be as loving. It will not be as prophetic or powerful or significant as it could be unless you're using your gift. And you may think, oh, I, I, got, a, I got a pinky kind of gift. That's, that's, it's small. It doesn't matter. Okay, so I heard this story one time about a football player, played for a small college, and uh, he was... Uh, they were getting ready to play in the national championship game for this, I forget what division it was, but he injured his, his pinky. And he was, the, uh, he was an offensive lineman, and he injured his pinky, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, because of this injury, you cannot play in the game. Because if you play in the game, you could damage your finger so much that you, it'll never be the same. And he said, cut it off. I want to play in the game so bad that I'm willing to lose this pinky because I don't ever use it. I don't need it, and this game is more important to me than my pinky. 
Now, I don't remember how much of it was, but it was, you know, it's just a pastor illustration. Don't worry about the details. Um, so they, the doctor did what he said because he was an adult and he did this. And so the, and they may have won the game. I don't know. But he, at reflecting on that, realized afterwards he wished he hadn't cut off his pinky, as you might have guessed. Kids, don't get your pinky cut off, okay? Adults, Savannah, don't do it, okay? Because he realized, you know, like when I zip up my zipper, I use my pinky. All these little activities and actions that he took, he never realized how important his pinky was to those functions because he just thought it was insignificant. So here's what I'm saying to all you pinkies out there. You may think, well, my gift isn't as important as the person who does X, the really generous person who helps to fund the budget, or the person who gets up front and speaks, or the person with the beautiful voice who moves us to worship God. That's not true. It's just not true. It may, be, it may not be as visible, but boy, is it so vitally important that each one of you know that you've been given this gift. And, and what kind of person gives gifts to somebody? I mean, what kind of person would give you a gift? Somebody who loves you. Somebody who's thinking of you. Someone who cares about you. Someone who knows you and says, this would be the perfect gift. This kid needs a new mitt to play ball. And while he may not really appreciate it or understand it right now, this is going to be something that he has for a really long time. And it's going to be a good gift. My mom and dad knew that I needed a new one. And they loved me, and so they gave me the gift. Well, in the same way, there's a Heavenly Father that loves you, that gave you a gift and wants you to use it. What a blessing it is to use your gift. What a great thing it is to be able to receive a gift. Imagine getting a Christmas gift. What if I came up here today, and instead of having a glove, I just had a box, and it was wrapped with uh, you know, 1980s-style wrapping paper, whatever it looked like then. They didn't do bags back then. Everything was in a box with wrapping. And I just said, you know, my mom and dad got me this gift, and I've never even known what it was. I never opened it. It kind of smells funny, but I don't know what it is. Well, that'd be a tragedy, wouldn't it? I mean, all the amazing plays that I made, catching the ball and throwing and hitting, whatever, would have never come to life if I hadn't opened the gift that my parents gave me. Is it possible that you have a gift that you've never even opened? That you've never said, I, I'm just going to trust you, Lord, because I know you've given me this gift and I want to use it. The purpose of the gifts is to build up the body of Christ, to encourage one another. But God has so composed the body, it says in verse 24, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Using your gifts brings the body together to strengthen the church. And failing to use your gift means the church gets weaker. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So you are the body of Christ. We're not all called to be apostles, not all called to be prophets, but we're all called. So that's the presence of gifts, the prevalence of gifts, the purpose of gifts, and now the power. From where does the power come? Let's go back to the beginning of the chapter, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. It is the same God who empowers them. The power that we get to use our gifts comes from God. See, we learn in this verse that, that we need power. But it's not up to you to just figure it out and do it. It's to trust God and to believe that he's given you a gift and then to rely on his power to enable you to use the gift that you've been given. Now, here's the thing. You're not going to use it perfectly the first time. Right? I didn't catch the ball the first time everyone, someone threw it to me. You have to work on it. You have to sanctify the gift. You, you get better at it. Because, and you do it because it's a joy that God has given you the gift, but you trust in his power to say, Lord, I know you want to use me because you did so much to save me, to bring me to yourself. I just need to trust in you and to, to believe that God can work through you. So when I lived in Florida, I had a, a ski nautique, and it was a great boat, loved it. And we'd go wakeboarding in, uh, in Winter Park, Florida, and we'd take people out there and teach them how to wakeboard, just like skiing, except it's a big flat uh, board and, and the boat had a 240 horsepower engine, right? Oh, I love that sound. And it just would, you hit the gas, and that, it, the, a ski nautique is like, a, it's a boat, it's an engine and a prop. And you hit that gas and it pulls anybody up. It's got so much power. And so I took my friend out there, and this guy played baseball at UCLA and at Marshall. Super, one of the best athletes I've ever known. And I got him out there, and I said, okay, here's what you do. You just lean back on the wakeboard like this. Keep your uh, legs bent, arms straight. Let the boat pull you up. All you do is pull up, just let the boat pull you up, and eventually you'll just turn this way, and you just kind of glide along the water. It's easy. Let the boat pull you up. I said that about a 1,000 times that day. He never could get up. Just crash. Just pulling, pulling, pulling. I'm like, bro, let the boat pull you up. All day. He never could get, and he drank about a gallon of water. Uh, probably got an amoeba down there. But he could not get up. The best athlete I've ever known couldn't wakeboard. Then, a few weeks later, I got my cousin, who was a 13-year-old girl, who never played a sport in her life. I said the same thing. Arms straight, knees bent, let the boat pull you up. Like this, riding along on the water. First try, she got up. First try. She let the boat do the work. Let God use you with his power to do the work. Stop striving and straining and just trying to figure it out. Just say, Lord, what is it that you have for me? Who around me needs care? What can I do to serve someone? It may end up being a big thing that people pay attention to. It may be a pinky kind of job that no one really notices but makes a massive difference in the life of the people that you serve. Don't neglect the gift that God has given to you. Use it and trust in his power. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the gifts you've given to us, these gifts to serve you and to, to bless you. I pray that you would um, just help us to, to use the gifts that you've given so that your church would be built up, uh, not just for the sake of building up the church, but to the sake of building up the church to make disciples that people would say, I want to be part of that community because of their love, the truth that they live under, and the grace. Just give us your, more and more of your grace so that we, we can see who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh,
Paul, excuse me, God has given us another great gift as well, and this is the gift of the sacrament, because this is a physical reminder of what Jesus has done to give his sacrifice for us. He, he, he demonstrates with his very life, laying down his life for us. And of course, last, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the beauty of the Lord's Supper. And remember, Paul said, when you guys get together, you're not doing it the right way. You're not even taking the Lord's Supper. And why was that? It was because of the conflict that they had within each other. And so the, the beauty of the supper is this, is this moving toward the table in response to what God has done, but we do it because we've been reconciled to one another. So here's what I want you to think about. Is there anybody in the room, is there anybody in the church that you need to be reconciled with? Is there anyone that you can say, here's, we have a fractured relationship, there's brokenness here, and I want to move towards you in the same way Jesus moved toward me to be reconciled. I just would invite you to consider that as you come forward to the table. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.